welcome back everybody i am having fun uh, pre-talking and now you're you're a part of the conversation chatting with magda panovic uh who's really really cool and i thoroughly enjoyed her performance uh even though i didn't like what she was doing on <laughs> travelers being faction but uh, <laughs> please welcome to the show magda thank you hi i feel like i should be coming down like an aisle and being like oh hey <sighs> what's up you know, we, we can certainly add some of the effects uh, in if you Perfect. want. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then if you can, can you add the pow, bang, boom? Sure. As well. which, yeah. which one of us is going to be Batman? Am I Batman, your bad girl? How are we going to play this? I'll be... I'll be... Uh, Penguin or the Riddler? Well, I have to be the Riddler in that case because, you know, I, I, look, I look a little bit like Jim Carrey. That's true, yeah. but but does that mean once one actor plays a certain character, other people can't come in and change it? Well, we've certainly uh, proven to be uh, that's not the case with uh, with my goodness. Now the name of the act, uh, the the character escapes me. But you know, talking about the Batman uh, trilogy, um, yeah. yeah um, Which one? Who are you thinking? Are you thinking like Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger, and now you know it's getting played, and again another actor wins an Oscar for uh, for their performance. So, <laughs> absolutely, different people can play. Yeah, and I mean, was it uh, Jack Nicholson that did the first one? I think so. I think he yeah, was. and he he did an incredible job. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just it's it's cool to see actors have different interpretations of the same yeah. character. And and that particular character, you have to go full method in order to uh, to make it. So um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure that I'd want to play it because that's 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 something that I will have to take uh, energetic showers after every uh, take just to make sure that I remember who I am and right. <laughs> character. So probably not my cup of tea. But uh, yeah. I don't know if like if you were to do Heath Ledger's performance back in the original Batman, if that would have worked. I think it's a like a periodical thing. Like it, our culture would was not ready for that back then. Like we're so much more cynical and and also aware of mental illness now that you know it's a it's an open discussion. So I feel like that's a parallel to what's going on in the universe right now yeah does that make sense it certainly does and uh, i know you're you're in uh canada we're in the u.s uh we have even more, more of it so yes it, unfortunately it yeah it's pretty crazy you guys don't need to watch horror movies just uh, turn no. on the news pretty much uh and that's why i i do my best not to watch the news yeah. uh, and it's it's never really good uh, no it's good to get the information there's certain things it's like should keep updated on the the most like latest information but you don't need to be watching the news all day getting bombarded with negative things it's like still try to enjoy quarantine <laughs> no i know and i'm okay with it and um you know my kids uh um I have a 16-year-old daughter and an um, almost 11-year-old son in a few days. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. And, uh, you know, both of them have been basically going to school from home for, for a while. Yeah. There's been talk of hybrids or going back. I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with them staying at home for a little yeah. while longer until we figure this thing out. 
I think just for safety reasons, it's better to just like, I mean, it's honestly going to be max, what, another year, two years. I know that sounds like a lot, but really in the grasp of the universe and health wise, and it's like, just, you know, the world kind of slows down a little for, for two years. And, and to me, obviously the death's not good, but, um, the, the whole part of society realizing that we were going so quickly and what is our values and what do we really care about? And obviously a lot of us have felt like, you know, health, mental health, and like money to be sent to those places versus what's happening right now. Um, I don't mean to get all political. No, no, it's, uh, it's, it's a conversation, right? So no, no yeah. questions here. We're... It's, it's just, yeah, it's, I think it's wonderful that you don't mind your child, your children staying at home and, and doing homeschool. And even if they don't do great, it's like, I think you could redo a grade, right? And then you could always do tests or what is it? Um, SATs? SATs. We don't have SATs. Mm -hmm. But do they still have SATs in the States? They, they do. I think they're on their way out because all good. universities now, uh, you know, they have been sued. Uh, and uh, What? Tell me more. I don't understand. What? So some of the universities have been sued because uh, people from less privileged backgrounds tend to do uh, worse on those standardized tests. And when a university makes a determination on who to admit based on the test, I mean, not only on the test, yeah. but on other things, then they perhaps will not have as much diversity because those kids who've never had, you know, computers or tutoring or anything else in the classroom because they come from uh, you know less privileged backgrounds. They don't have those opportunities, so those test scores are less. It so, seems like it was done purposefully. Maybe. Um, but, I think everything was done pretty purposefully for uh, rich, privileged people to get. It could be. I, I I'm of the opinion that there are good ideas and good intentions that people start out with, and then. Like that. They, they go in their own direction based on people who are, you know, running the places or people who have yeah. their own agendas. So I like your positivity. That's pretty nice. I'm, I've just gotten a lot more cynical with age. I'm like, oh God, I used to be so optimistic. I used to believe in humanity. I was like, I watched all those superhero shows. that's like, gonna save the world. Yeah. But yeah, so. I know it's true. You should kind of go into every situation looking at it as people come in with the best intention and sometimes it just gets twirled up. Yeah, again, let's let's continue diving deeper into the rabbit hole and uh, and you know uh, discuss the vaccine that's about to come up, right? So COVID vaccine, the idea of having um, immunity to something as terrible as this is is paramount. The mm -hmm fact that people are rushing to create the vaccines is understandable. We all want it, but then at yeah. what cost? You uh -huh. know, research goes into it, and when will vaccine be really tested to ensure that yeah. it's, not, it's not going to cause more harm than good? That's why I don't want to have the first batch. I don't want to have the first, like, I'd rather just stay quarantined than, um, than taking the first available whatever comes. Because, yeah, I, I think 
there's so much pressure on rushing to these vaccines that we're not necessarily thinking of what's best for us in the long run. Yeah, and for you guys in Canada, it's uh, it's better. Uh, and again, uh, feel guys, you know, if you disagree, feel free to you know put all the comments below. We're okay with those. But what we find in the United States is that it's so much of a corporate machine where the vaccines, um, the types of vaccines, the uh, how quickly you should be getting them, the number of vaccines that you should be getting at the same time. All of that is not necessarily, sorry, CDC, it's not necessarily based on, you know, what's best for people, but mm -hmm. there is a lot of, um, there is a lot of things involved as to, well, let's see how else we can make money. Here's a good idea. So you have, again, this is where my positivity and trying mm -hmm. to look at things from a nice perspective comes in. Of You have people, you have scientists who really genuinely want to help people and they come up with something that, you know, maybe uh, maybe assisting uh, somebody or curing a disease, and for that they need a vaccine. And then you have corporate interest take over, and then a lot of stuff gets in between. And by the time it gets to the people, maybe it's safe, maybe it's not safe. Uh, what percentage of people, you know, dying or getting paralyzed is okay uh, in order to you know get this out in the open. So yeah. the United States is not good at this. Europe, Canada, they're much better at it. Yeah. I mean, they've been, always been like Australia, I think, and um, England are really good. Because if I look at even like autism, the studies on autism for um, women are a lot more of an open discussion now than it's ever been. And all the research was always done on boys. So they present differently. And so all these women are going un, undiagnosed and unhelped. And, you know, I find it so incredible to watch at least watch other countries kind of start to get it right and just hope that like we're behind at some point and we're going to join in because yeah. I think that's important stuff. Like I've had um, a lot of like learning disabilities and dyslexia and a lot more other things. And part of me um, thinks that I am autistic or have Asperger's and um, but because I, I present differently and I could give you a hundred reasons why I think I am autistic, you know, but I also can pass as a very normal person. I am a normal person, mm -hmm. but autistic girls usually are the most like gregarious and, and well-adjusted humans because <laughs> you, you learn to blend in and it's not like, you know what you're doing. It's the fact that you realize you don't know what you're doing. So you're trying to watch everyone and figure out how they're doing it. And what am I doing wrong? And why am I still doing what they're doing? But I still, it's not working for me and it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And you still keep trying and you take on not only mannerisms, you take on a uh, speech comedic thing, like it, it really got to my head in my early 30s because my whole life kind of stopped in a way that like there was a lot of destructive behavior and I had to really reassess everything how I've lived and a lot of it I realize I'm like do I know who I am which part of me is the part that's been copy and pasted from everything I've ever seen versus who is the baseline of me does it really matter do I need to know I don't know I mean I could 
spiral into a million different <laughs> sub uh, conversations about that. But um, well, listen. I mean, the fact that the fact that you are asking those questions and the fact that you are trying to figure it out, um, whether we talk about it or not, already says something about you, and that's that's the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to ask those questions, and as yeah. actors, especially, and you know, one of the reasons why you're, you know, probably even more talented um, in in acting is because of that ability that you just mentioned of picking up uh, mannerisms, of understanding mm -hmm. different people, of getting uh, into the different characters that you play. But then again, and I ask uh, actors all the time, <clears throat> if you are playing a role and you're going, you know, very deep into it, do you know? who you are and who the character is and how quickly is it for you to snap out and snap back into who you really are. Mm -hmm. um, me being a very sensitive, empathic person, I've always been weary of really going deep into something because mm -hmm. I was worried about not knowing my way back. Mm -hmm. um, for those who are not actors, that sounds psychotic. Those who are actors actually understand. Um, so I developed yeah. my own methodology and you know my you know the uh, if anybody wants to check out go find I'll link it below the video it's the butterfly effect method of acting that I created it, yeah. it basically allows me to have this uh, root of here's who I am I am going away but I know a very uh, defined path uh, to get back and it's easy for me to snap in and out of characters because I know the baseline of who I am so yeah I teach um, beginners acting to adults. Yeah. Um, uh, like fundamentals and um, on camera stuff and I it's so funny because I can't help but give like a lot of information because I'm like oh my god if I knew all this stuff when I first started I'd be so happy but like all of them at, at the end of each class I'm always like so what did you learn today they're like a lot everything I don't know what do I pick out because they're just like you just threw so many concepts at me and you know I never really like ever necessarily talk down to people like I I expect them to sort of kind of join where my my brain is if that makes sense so that it challenges them and not to say that I'm like smarter than anyone else but my brain is going so quickly in terms of what I'm throwing out and it's really wonderful to see the people who really want to do it and I see them taking notes and um, they really let me push them I you know I'm always so um, humbled by the fact that they uh, let themselves be vulnerable in front of me. They let me be so like, oh, you know, like break out of this and kind of shaking them up and real, like calling them on their BS. Like if they're, if they have acting tics, which I have acting tics sometimes, if I'm nervous, I know what I fall into. And so within my first class, I could always get them to go on camera and I'm like, oh, that's your tell. Oh, that's your tell. Um, okay, so this is what we need to work on. But it's always interesting because every uh, cluster that I teach, so it's like a six feet class, I never approach it the same way because every person's so different. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. you, you kind of have to see where the energy's at and like how people's like what they're getting and, and like what they want and, you know, what's their strength, what's their beauty. And so it's been pretty just like, I've grown more being a teacher, I think, than an actor in the last two years. 
I, I can certainly understand that. And that's great. And you're mentioning all the things that I want to hear in terms of energy, in terms of having to adjust uh, and, you know, know who you're working with and what's going to work for them. So uh, I'm, I'm sure you're a wonderful teacher based on what I just yeah. said. And also just teaching them the difference. A lot of them, if they did theater in school, teaching them the difference of here's a little box for an audition. And then the the concept of when you're on set, you still have this little box and you still have to uh, adjust to that. But there is a little more liberty to the fact that if you are in a kitchen, you could go grab a mug or you could uh, turn on the tap or grab paper towels or you could sit on the counter or you know what I mean? There's a lot more theatrical choices you can make on the day on in on set. But when it comes to auditions, I have to really teach these people the fundamentals of how do you bring to life this tiny little box, yet not be too much. So it's like this fine line of like, ooh, where's the pendulum? It's, it's tough. And then it gets even tougher based on the casting director. What I found uh, wonderful, ridiculous, and confusing all at the same time is that you know, I take a workshop with a casting director and one of the things that they say is when you get in front of the camera for an audition, the first thing that you should be asking is what's my frame? Because you need to know, yeah. you know what's what's your frame, where can I work and then understand it. I then tell my students that all the time. Catch this, right? I'm talking to another casting director, a you know, well-known casting director. We're not going to name him right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can tell you off camera. Um, yeah. And then I ask him, what is the one thing that pisses you off in auditions? He said, if anybody goddamn comes in and the first question they ask me is, what's my frame? We're done. No. Yeah. He's like, no. Camera, move. I will move with you if I need to. No. In my mind. Completely no. different approaches. I'm telling you. I understand that, but like at the same time, like he has to understand. So for instance, like I had this audition where, you know, you have to turn the physicalness into acting and sometimes you don't want the camera to follow you so that you could do the action off camera. So like I had to um, cover this kid's ears and if I do this, it's not as good as if I do yeah, I know. this where it's like off camera, you know? Because then you can, you, you don't have to stretch your imagination as much. But if you do things like on camera pantomime, then you're forced to like, you know, even more so than it's already a foreign situation that you're just in a room trying to get out like a fucking beetle. The, the, I found one commonality with casting directors and pretty much that's the only thing in common because on everything else that you disagree. So the, the commonality is come prepared, come confident and um, you know, be, uh, be the character. We don't care about you. We don't care about your acting choices. We just want to see if you can be that character. So that's the only thing that they agree on, you know, which background to use for, uh, for self tapes, Everybody disagrees. That's on. a different one, yeah. Which, uh, you know, what, uh, whether you should be holding sides yeah. or you should be off book, everybody disagrees on. Uh, like, complete walk in as the character or switch. 
uh, into the yeah. character. After well, I almost didn't get a job because I came in as like, I was really excited. I was like 16. I just got my license yeah. and, uh, or my learners. And it was for Peter DeLuise and I did end up getting it. It was for Jeremiah. And then I did the audition and like the audition was super serious and, and like uh, my parents were dead and everything. And then I went back to like, you know, happy. And so he told me years later, he's like, I almost didn't hire you because you came in so not the character, but then you were able to change it very quickly. And so I was like, I didn't even know I was at risk of losing something, but I've definitely learned from that and tried to kind of, because the, the frustrating part is they also expect you to come in and have a personality. And, you know, if they do feel like asking you, you've got to be on point and, and not blah boring or fake or too much, which I tell my students, I'm like, you know, say hi, but don't like overstay your welcome. Don't be fake. Don't be sad. Uh, if you just broke up with your boyfriend or got in a car accident, they don't give up. Am I allowed to swear? Uh, fucking yes. They don't give a fuck about your life. Nope. Just like come and do your job. And the thing is, if you are saying I'm sorry in the middle of a take or afterwards, it's like you're, you're putting onus on the casting director that they don't want to have. They don't want to have the pressure of making you feel better when they already have so much going on in the day and it's just they're not your therapist you know no matter how terrible you feel like you did in that audition you keep it inside and you take it into outside of the audition into your car and then you start crying but you don't do it in the audition <laughs> You don't. I agree. That's that's the other thing that uh, all of them agreed on is you think you screwed up. Don't tell us because we yes. may think that you're great. I tell them all the time, all that. I'm like, you could be their like top two choices, but then you say, I'm so sorry. And then the director's like, well, I guess my opinion was wrong and mm -hmm. maybe they weren't that good. And mm -hmm. you know, they start thinking about that sentence from the actor versus what they saw. And you just, you just convince someone out of a job. Yeah. Like um, yourself out of a job. Yep. It's, yeah. it's, it's such a fascinating experience. And from the actors that I talked to, and you know, there are, there are many actors who are really well known and they teach other people how to, uh, how to go to auditions. And the one thing that resonates with me, you know, for all the actors who are listening to us, uh, is the, you have to go to the audition owning it and not giving a fuck. Uh, yeah. And even if your choices are wrong, just commit. Because if you commit, then like the casting director sees that you are actually taking this seriously. This is something mm -hmm. that you're committing to. And if it's incorrect, they'll give you adjustments. If they, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As long as you make a choice and it's not ambiguous and you're like, I know they're doing something, but I don't know what. And I, you know, tell my students all the time, I'm like, well, what were you thinking? And they're like, well, I, I don't know. It's like, well, I could tell. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, it's not like it was completely unbelievable. I just didn't know why I was watching you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Actors really love to hear that particular line. <laughs> well, that I don't know why you're watching. I'm watching you. Yeah. But it's true. And they need to hear it. It just, you know, that, that one cuts to the core of like, really? Well, 
to me i got i got that when i was throughout my early teens or mid to late teens that was one i heard a lot and i was like you know people even students to this day they're like um well why does it have to be why do the stakes have to be life and death like what if it's not and like i don't feel that way i'm like then we don't care about watching you then don't do this like you know acting is not necessarily real life it's hyper real life it's hyperized like or that's not a word but you know it's it's magnified and so you have to find that that emotion and learn how to amplify it whatever it is that they're asking you for yeah i mean yeah look at the things that we remember uh if, if any person watching this right so do this exercise uh, for a second you know think back to when you were a kid and try to remember a moment uh, uh very vividly from that time and i would bet that the moment that is going to come up is a moment of heightened emotion it was either really positive or it was yeah. either really negative but it was emotion that you know shook you in some way and that's what yeah. we remember so what do you think happens on screen where on screen you are not displaying the entire life you're displaying a moment from that particular life that moment likely is going to be a moment that other people remember for a reason of heightened emotion whatever exactly. it is so yeah like i so i was watching one hour photo because i was wondering i didn't really necessarily like it when i originally saw it yeah. but i was like i wonder if i have a new appreciation which i slightly did um there's still things i didn't like about it there were i think it was because in my mind i expected it to go so differently and it didn't yeah. um and i'm like such a control freak that i need my way to go um which is why i'm an actor also uh which also doesn't make sense because you have no control. Sorry, my brain. Um, so I was watching the one of the last scenes where the husband comes home and hugs his son and then slowly looks up at his wife. And when you're watching it, it's beautiful. I'm so engaged and I feel it and I know what's, what he's doing, what's happening, what I'm supposed to feel. But then I take it outside of my brain, I'm like, if i was to in real life like hold my son and slowly look up like it just would not be believable but like we do these things that when it's on camera it for some reason makes sense and doesn't look super weird mm -hmm. you know even when like you're doing a two shot and people are they're they're always like you know it it seems like you're really close but on camera you're not trust me like it mm -hmm. it feels awkward but it's not going to look awkward yeah. and that's that's acting 101 it's it's true and you and i you know in the in the uh you know pre-show chat we're talking about van damme right yes. so um you know i talked to a lot of uh van damme by the way and the reason why i started doing splits the reason why I never got into fights in high school because I was doing splits between the chairs. And even though I didn't know martial arts, people assumed I was a badass. That's just hilarious. I was doing splits between the chairs. So, Jean, if you're watching this, thank you for saving my butt. Um, yeah, Jean-Claude Vendam, if you're watching this, thank you for saving my butt because you entertained me through my youth when I was depressed. Oh, wow. Very cool. Um, yeah. No, Jean, Jean's great. And uh, I, I talked to, you know, a lot of martial artists on my show uh, who are actors. And, yeah. you know, the stuff that is in movies, we talk about Van Damme, you know, the, the uh, tornado kick, uh, <laughs> the tornado kick, right? It's not something that, uh, that works in real life, but it's something that 
you are rooting for in the film. You want to see it. it you know it's coming and it looks fantastic. It's just, you know, it's, it's that it's reality, but it's not reality, but we're living it at that moment. So it works. Well, like, it's like when they do back handsprings in the middle of a fight, you're like, oh, that would never happen in real life. But that's absolutely beautiful to watch the choreography and it's like a dance and then they kick the shit out of people. But like half the things you're like, that would not be happening. I know. And I I was talking to um, a fantastic martial artist, like real martial artist, not an actor who's a martial artist, but a martial artist who got into acting. Uh, His name is uh, Mark, uh, Mark Stas. And Mark is, you know, like Hall of Famer uh, martial arts uh, guy. And uh, he was saying that, you know, the first movie that he was shooting, they they were doing a fight scene and they did the choreography. And, um, you know, after the first take, the other actor, who's also fantastic, Ron Smurenberg, uh, said, hey, you you didn't uh, do this technique and you did something else. And Mark said, you're correct. (laughs) When we practiced, we did this. But then during the take, you did a slightly different variation of the kick. I am responding to it in a way that works for that variation. So in, in a real you know, kind of a fight, it's different. In a martial arts film, everything is choreographed to a T and it has to flow that way. So it's, it's a, you know, same thing with the eye raise. It's, it's, it has to work because it's on camera. Doesn't mean it's gonna work in real life. You know, I think a perfect example is uh, season two, Cobra Kai. Um, Oh my God. Like I not only, okay, first of all, we'll talk about the fight scene in a second, but that was a a one shot, like steady movement. Like they probably practiced that fight for at least a month to choreograph, to get that shot correct, because it was going through and it didn't cut for like probably two minutes, maybe longer. Yeah, you're talking about the uh, the the you know the ending, uh, the uh, main fight in the in the room. Well, not the yeah, room. and then on top of them, they're teenagers, and I'm pretty sure a lot of them did their own fights. Like, yeah. you could tell that they they were training for like a month to do this, and it just was so badass. And and I was so proud of them. I was just like, these kids, oh, the heart that went into it, and it looked fantastic. Yes. Uh, I'm again. I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, of the original, and I love it. But you know, we all know that the fights there were yeah, not not great. Um, uh, that said, the show, the fights are really really good, and yeah. I know who the kids are training with. Um, <clears throat> you know, you're you're a martial arts enthusiast as well. Do you remember yep. Best of the Best and uh, Philip Ray? The name's familiar. But so Philip Ray and Simon Ray, you know, both were in the best of the best. Uh, there. I'll do Google later. Yeah. So uh, Simon Ray, you know, both of them are, are amazing martial artists. They're teachers. Uh, and Simon Ray is uh, is one of the people that trained the, the choreographer. Co- they spent a lot of time training. He's the stunt coordinator or? He's the choreographer and a trainer. So martial arts trainer to get the kids ready for Cobra. Yeah. So he's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's the choreographer but he's also like the stunt coordinator so they do the choreography of the fights I don't know if he's a stunt coordinator i need to research that but i know that he was the martial arts trainer to get the kids ready for all of the actual techniques and uh, okay. 
he's he's amazing you know, yeah he's, i guess yeah that's i mean I, I got like a year or two ago i got to train to be a boxer uh <laughs> and i had really quick a quick turnaround that i had to do it or not do it and they were going to originally use like a stunt double mm -hmm. and like i went to do training it was it ended up being my first session two hours and in the beginning you could see the director the stunt coordinator and then the guy who owned the gym that was working with me really not be too happy and and they were like oh what did we do and then the last hour because i felt like they were basically giving up on me before giving me a chance yeah. and i was like okay okay let's stop what is it that i'm doing that's incorrect and what is it that you want me to do and so he started talking to me because i felt like i was being a little talked down to in the beginning but once it was like we were working together and he was really like give trying to work with me he was teaching me a lot of things and he was like you know first of all like you know i was going like this and boxers like lean into it they're used to it he's like it's your home it's your home like go into it and you know certain moves that were very miyagi where i he's like when you turn pivot your foot it's like putting out a cigarette um and and sorry the light you're good uh, and um yeah and just my stamina had to get really quickly and then they brought in a couple stunt um girls to to train to do the same um stuff i was training but then by the time we were doing the big uh fight scene like the um the big showdown in the movie or whatever it's called uh what is it called when they do a boxing competition oh my god um match a yeah. match yeah. boxing match yeah. uh i like oh man it was so exhilarating and and the the stunt coordinator guy comes up to me and he's like i am so unbelievably proud of you like they didn't use any of the stunt people and i i got hit in the head a couple times because i forgot the choreography but i just went with it and it was like oh it was the most exhilarating thing and working on my my uppercut and just like my punches and learning about like that it's not necessarily the punch it's like the retraction how fast you can bring it back yeah. and i was like whoa that's like where all the muscles and strength comes into play and before quarantine i was gonna go to the boxing gym and like start doing that because it was so as a woman who's been through some very bad uh situations physically and and like uh been weak in them and trapped I was able to find my voice and because I'm not, my brain's not the type of person that's like, oh, I want to fight back. I'm just like, why is this happening? We're, we're not animals. Why is this happening? Like, that's all that repeats in my head. Instead of like, I should fight and I should hit people. Like I know how to do stuff, but my soul doesn't want to hurt people. So what I when I found my voice with boxing, I was like, I want to get used to getting punched so I don't have this shock value, this this like just standing there frozen. I want to actually be able to react, even if it's not necessarily to hurt someone, but it's to defend or whatever. That was a long-winded no story, but thank you. Thank you for saying that. And good for you. And uh 
listen, uh, even during quarantine, just, uh, you know, grab a bag, uh, have a bag in your house or have, uh, you know, have a speed bag that you can just hook it up to, uh, to, you know, the ceiling. I have some weights, which kind of helps. And yeah, so and I use them. Right. You can use weights because you can still do the same, uh, you know, movement. You can still do bobbing and weaving. You can still grab yeah. a rope. You can do all sorts of things, but yeah, um, there's, there's no substitute for getting hit. And that's, that's why yeah. when people want to learn martial arts or where people want to learn how to defend themselves, you really, unfortunately for you, I mean, you have to do something in which you're going to actually spar. You're going to get hit. Yeah. You need to get used to it because if you're just practicing kata, it's beautiful. It's a dance. It's choreography. I love it. That's my mm -hmm. favorite part, but you get hit, you need to know what it feels like. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful in defending yourself. Even when I was doing continuum, I would like train to do the fights. Mm -hmm. But as soon as like the adrenaline came in and I was fighting with the stunt guys and like, I didn't know I was getting hit, but then I knew I was getting hit. And it was like, it was mm -hmm. so jarring, but you don't have time to react. Mm -hmm. And it was like this really like, shaky feeling like I it's one of those things that you just need to get used to and then it's not so scary but it was very just a very unique experience where I was like that's what it's like to really um I guess you know not pretend because it's like you can't just tap someone like you could like you know you have to kind of risk getting hurt for it to look good sometimes which i'm fine because i always wanted to be bruce lee van damme jackie chan yeah me too yeah that's yep. that's, that's why i've been uh, at this and um it's you know scott atkins uh, who who i i admire a lot um you may have seen him in films he's the you know, kind of a cream of the crop uh, from the martial art actor guys. He's a real martial artist and he's a very successful actor. So nice. uh, Scott Atkins, go check him out. I'm going to- I you will. Know, You'll give me all the names to look up yeah. and I'll, I'll go Google study. And I'll, I'll put it down below the video as well. But what Scott did, and I, I love him and hate him for it, because I had this idea of being a huge martial arts uh, film fan Mm -hmm. is I started, you know, once I started the show, I said, I'm going to talk to all the martial art guys and girls <laughs> that I grew up watching. And I started inviting all of them. And I, I talked to some of them. And then I see Scott, who is ridiculously uh, successful. And yeah. I love these films. I'm a subscriber as well. He had the same idea. But Scott being Scott and being a you know superstar uh, in the movie business and a martial artist, when he calls, they come onto the show. So he talked yeah. to everybody. So wow. he's talked to Steven Seagal. He's talked to Philip Ray. He's talked to... Uh, you know, uh, all the people who I, I'm inviting, but I'm, I'm a tiny little show that's been around for four months. He's Scott Atkins. So at least I get a chance to live vicariously through his conversations with them. But, but don't give up on like what you're doing. Because I think there's a lot of people that are super down. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to, uh, to talk to the, to the martial artists, but it just, that yeah. segment and that, you know, that part of the show that I wanted to do, He's, uh, he's way ahead uh, just because of who he is. So, um, I remember meeting, because uh, when, when I was a kid, I was super in love with Power Rangers, and I used to get made fun of for liking Power Rangers. I don't know if it was because I was a girl or just because people like bullying me. Um, 
there were girls in Power Rangers, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, but I used to get like picked on a lot and it was pretty rough and it was kind of like any excuse to make fun of me. And I remember me liking Power Rangers somehow was something to make fun of, which um, because I think they're badass. And so, yeah, I remember at a convention I get to meet the Red Ranger, I think it was, and like I'm still friends with him. And yeah, it was just like, oh, this is like my childhood all like coming back to me that's just awesome. pretty funny yeah um, i i want to talk to you uh because i know there's a fan base and there's a facebook group that's waiting for this interview uh that uh, there's huge travelers fan so i want to ask you a little bit about travelers because i enjoyed yeah. the show i'm mm -hmm. sorry it ended uh, I just said sorry in the in the way that Canadians would pronounce it. No wonder people think I'm Canadian. Um, you, yeah, you kind of in the middle. Like you didn't say sorry, but you no. said sorry, like sorry. I, I caught myself mid mid word as as I heard. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> I know. I teach my students all the time. I'm like, okay, these are the words you do not say, and if you're gonna say them, you say them like this. And they're like, why? I was like, I don't know. They hate Canadians. Just do it. <laughs> Well, whoever hates Canadians, screw you. Canadians. No, are it's not that. It's more like casting directors. They want like an American standard accent, and and it's just like funnier to make them, just to say like they hate Canadians and just do it. Don't ask questions. Just do it. Mm -hmm. um, so travelers, uh, you you uh, you played a really interesting role, uh, Dawn, um, which was cool. I again, it's it's the character that. You know, as as people watching uh, the show, at least I found myself as a character that you understand and you you don't want to like, but there's a part of you that that still likes the character. Hey, Jax. Uh, you know, Jax to everybody. Hello, Jax. Such a good point. Um, so, what uh, again? You know, having a show uh, that has so many incredible uh, uh, talented actors shot in Vancouver. You know, mm -hmm. which is uh, which is your home. Uh, a you know full Canadian uh, production, but that's not meant just for Canada because everybody got to see it. Uh, and then coming in with such an interesting character, what was that you know whole experience like? Uh, well, it was pretty cool because I was living in LA the first time I ever heard of Travelers, and cool. it was funny. My landlord was the one that kept telling me, he's like, "Have you watched the show Travelers?" And I was like, no, he's like, I think, I think you'd really like it. And then he would talk about like me, I should be on it and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, okay. And I always meant to like watch it. And then eventually I was in Vancouver. I was doing this uh, screening. I just feel so douchey saying this out loud, but I was doing this screening party for, for the episode of Supernatural I did because I was really proud of myself. Uh, it was one of these like weird little accomplishments and hurdles I wanted to do because I've been auditioning for the show for 14 years was it I think it was like 14 years since it first started and I was like god damn you I can't get on this show I was like oh everyone would always ask oh you're you're Canadian you're from Vancouver have you been on Supernatural and I'm like no I have not. Everyone and their fucking dog has been on super, Supernatural and sometimes twice, but not me. And so, yeah. So when I got the episode, I was really stoked. Um, and then I, I watched it with my friends and then I got home around like midnight and then finally looked at my audition mm -hmm. and realized it was A for Travelers 
and B, there was this whole giant monologue I had to memorize. And I was like, oh, what the fuck did I do? Oh my God. Um, and it was I, the next morning? Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted it so bad. And not, not only that, it was in front of Amanda Tappings. It was in front of the director. And I think one of the producers, and I was like, oh, Jesus. Um, so I just sat up for the following like two hours and, and like went over and over and over and over and over and over. And somehow I miraculously was able to do it the next day. Wow. And then I got it. And it was, oh, it was such a relief because I would, if I had known it was for that, I would have put a lot more time into it. And whew. Yeah, yeah, I was really nervous. But you got it, and it was it was great. Um, I really liked the character, and yeah, you know, they they kept on adding things, and they kept on you know putting different wrinkles in where you think you know what the character is, but no, that's not two dimensional at all. There's a lot more to it. So I I enjoyed it. A the lot. ambiguity, which <laughs> I thought like all the characters kind of had a really great ambiguity to them. Yeah, you know. And that's also why I loved Continuum. They're both very similar in terms of like, nothing's black and white, you know? Everything has other sides to it. It's kind of how you said that, you know, most ideas start with uh, like from somewhere good. Yeah. And I guess that's why there's that saying, um, the path to hell was built with good intentions. Yeah, yeah. So, I can understand. It's all, yeah, so it's all these characters and travelers that like everyone thinks that their view and position is correct. Mm -hmm. And at some point, if people don't stop and say, well, we can't maybe necessarily all be right, or yeah. why am I fighting so hard? And in turn, there's so much destruction happening because of my choice. So many people are getting hurt because of what I think is um, justified for the end. It's like the whole Machiavellian um, concept where the means justify the ends. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a really hairy um, hairy area to get into. Um, and it's it's just fun because you, as a person, you could see where they're incorrect about their views, but as the actor, you have to find like where is their heart lie and how do they see this as a positive? Like if someone was playing Hitler, that's a really hard part to like play, but you'd have to see him as not the evil villain because Hitler didn't see himself as the evil villain. No one sees themselves as the villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you, you have to identify and you have to, uh, you can judge the character you're playing. You have to, understand their point of view and believe that that's the right perspective uh, did you ever see unbreakable that was a perfect mm -hmm. perfect example yeah so it's like the whole movie um samuel jackson basically his journey is coming to the realization that he is the villain and he thought he was the hero and i just thought that was such a beautiful concept and i felt like it was earned and it wasn't this just like, oh, this is a realization. It was like, you watched that journey happen. He really thought he was doing the right thing and he was coming from a good place. And it just slowly revealed to himself that, you know, he's the bad guy. Yeah. And how devastating that is. 
Yeah. And in order to get to that place, you have to kill people and you're so driven by the idea and you're so invested in it that you start rationalizing uh, that that is okay. It's just that it's... It's the rationalization that happens that everyone does. Yeah. I mean, even look at the American climate. (laughs) Most of us cannot understand decisions that have been made, but there is a person and multiple people who have rationalized in their head that this is okay, this is normal, and that is a terrifying thought because they're not thinking, oh, awesome, this is like I'm playing with my army toys and I'm going to blow shit up. It's like they actually think they're doing the right thing. They think they're they're making the right choices, and that's what's the most terrifying thing. And it's, you know, as I grow, you know, as I grow older, uh, that's the realization is that, you know, you may think of somebody as a bad guy, but mm-hmm. it's not that simple. And yeah. you, it's not just, you know, black and white, uh, kind of uh, easy to identify. Everything is really great. And where I got into my rabbit hole is, you know, I'm Jewish. So I'm not religious, but I'm Jewish. And a lot of, um, you know, my relatives, again, I growing up in Ukraine, you hear of all the atrocities during the World War II. You hear yeah. of everything that you mentioned Hitler that Nazis <clears throat> have done. And the question that I ask myself is, if I was a part of that environment and I have my wife and two kids and Germans come knocking and saying, you either change your religion or we're going to kill you and your family, right. you know, what's my choice? And I think my choice at that point is I'm going to change my religion. Uh, Protect so my can- family. Right. But then it goes farther. Right. So that's the easy part. But they're going to make sure that they test that uh, hypothesis and they will likely ask you to help them find others and maybe kill somebody. And be complicit in this. Yeah. Right. Are you going to go that far in order to protect yourself and your family? And then if you go on that route and you have the intention of I need to survive this horrible mess in order to protect my uh, loved ones. At that point, if you go and then you start actually causing other people to die, the history is going to treat you as a criminal, as somebody who's bad. But it all started out from that place of you trying to survive and you not wanting to do it, but you had no other choice. Things are really complicated. That's that's the plot of Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Just like, you know, where the fuck did that guy go? And it's like, I guess when you really look at it, which is, I think, also the most fascinating thing with like acting and art and stuff is that end version of Walter White does exist in the first episode. You can't really see it. But if you go back, you're like, you see it it's there i mean anyone who makes that choice anyone who makes that choice to help the nazis because they want to protect their family that is a a a, not to fault those people but that is a a decision like that's a that's a a certain type of person right like some people would never ever do that and then other people completely understand that choice and some would die to defend the rights of humanity. And, but like, I'm sitting here as an outside viewer and I can't fault anyone for the decisions they make. I can see the positive choices that they make and why. Mm -hmm. 
it's just sometimes you're put in a position that no outcome is going to be good. And sometimes I think even in real life, people make decisions they don't think that they're going to in that moment. Like when, when you have to, in a split decision, make a choice that's, I mean, that's why there's a fucking movie called Sophie's Choice. It's like, because there is an actual thing about existence that there's, there's no good choice. Yeah. So, so which one is right? And that's an existential question that you have to come to terms inside with. And that's why, again, as actors, we at least get a chance to live out those scenarios without really putting ourselves uh, as people in harm's way. Because yeah. we can try stuff on, we can see oh, well, I, I, me as a person, I would never do that, but now I get a chance to explore of what it would be like in that scenario. And that's the part of acting that I love the yeah. most, is the ability to really kind of have a safe space to explore uh, different parts of yourself through other characters that you wouldn't normally allow yourself to do as a person. Well, I mean, I, I, one of the first questions I always ask my students is, why are you interested in acting? Why do you like it? And a lot of them, they're like, because I get to play different people. And to me, it's like, I don't think it's necessarily about playing different people. I think it's playing different aspects of yourself. And really, like, you know, when they say that you can't play something you don't have inside of you, like, you really can't. There's like there's always a fundamental line of who you are and and then there's a deviation and some people can deviate more from their standard uh personality but i think most people can but you have to be able to channel into that part or accept that there's like negative parts of yourself or there's selfish parts of yourself or there's like prideful parts egotistical parts there's um manipulative parts there's selfish parts there's um and i'm i'm just saying the negative ones because it's easier to kind of come to the positive ones but it's harder for us to accept those parts of us at least for me i'll speak for me i've tried yeah i've tried really hard to be a good person so it's really hard sometimes to to play an asshole at the same time i'm like i've been an asshole in real life and if i just admit that to myself it's like mm -hmm. this shouldn't be so hard because i've been angry at people i've been angry at the world you know um i've been a hypocrite and and just having to not beat yourself up for the things that you see in common with these characters and just kind of embrace it and i get some sort of cathartic peace with it because I get to kind of let go of it. It's almost like I get to face it and say, I see you, it happened, I'm there, and then it goes. Yeah, and that's, again, you know, in terms of working with trauma, uh, mm -hmm. you have to face it, and then when you do, eventually you let go, you process uh, through it. So, yeah, it's, it's really important. Um, yeah, I was just going to say with trauma, it's interesting because, I mean, I think a lot of actors who have trauma, obviously, this is a great art form and words and poetry has always been something I love and just affects me. It's such a, I don't want to say dying art, but like, there's not many people that are like, yeah, I'm going to go buy a poem, a book of poems. Right. Uh, but I, there's just, it's just so subjective. It's beautiful. Um, 
I digress. I'm a poet, so please keep digressing. I, I know yeah. what so we, we can we can talk on that tangent for a while. Yeah, I just I love the concept of being able to say what you're feeling without necessarily saying what you're feeling and also saying what you're feeling and letting someone else project what they're actually feeling too. So it can relate to different things. You might be talking about this, but to them they're like, oh, I think they're talking, this is what it feels like it's, they're talking about this. Mm -hmm. And so that's really cool. And I mean, that's also why I like love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. God, the metaphors in that, that baby is amazing. I, I just recently have been trying to, I mean, I'm always trying to recruit people to watch and become new fans and whew, so I can rant about it and how amazing it is. Um, and so recently I had another friend, um, and they're transgender and they're like, oh my God, this con like, there's this fight between Buffy and her friends and they're attacking her. And he was like, I can relate to this. This is, this is, oh my God, this is metaphor, metaphor. I'm like, I know this is like all the demons and, and Buffy, they're all metaphors for the minorities, the LGBTQ community. Like, it's just you could put anything in there. It's beautiful. It's true. Um, so Sarah Michelle Geller, if you're listening, you have a huge fan, um, you know, please, fan. please reach out. Um, Me and Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Jackson as well. Excellent. Yeah. You recruited him to the, <laughs> to the army. I got you. He's always watching. Yeah. Um, very cool. What's, what's I was going to say something before the poetry. Now I can't even remember what I was going to say. Oh, the trauma thing. I just, um, you know, some people, think that you need to go to therapy, which I do go to therapy. I have gone to therapy. Um, I do also many different other methods to heal myself. But at the end of the day, I look at when I was a teenager and I've, I've said it a couple times that acting saved my life because I was so lost and I was like an alcoholic and doing drugs and, and had an eating disorder and just like couldn't handle the pain of the world and the pain that I was feeling. And it was just like a place that for one second, it all made sense and the pain kind of stopped or it would at least not hurt as much. And then when I got sober at 18, um, I started to learn who I was and have to like, make relationships with that trauma and that pain and and like I said figure out where all that comes from and the bad decisions and yada 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 but I think acting if you really love the craft it could really teach you a lot about yourself and and you know my therapist actually he says to me you know how you were saying that I'm doing the right thing by questioning everything and and who I am and systemically like if you break everything away, who am I? But he was actually saying, Magda, you need to stop asking so many questions. You need to just learn to let it go. And I'm like, I can't, it's just, it's not in my nature. I've always asked questions and it's the part of me that he's even like, you know, you're never going to stop growing. Some people accept, you know, this is who I am. I'm a truck driver. I do this and I go home to my family. And that's awesome, but that's never been my life and it probably never will be my life. And because of acting, I'm always evolving and learning something about life, myself, other people. 
what's the point of being alive if we don't continue growing? Uh, yeah. I never want to stop questioning. I never want to stop growing. It's, it's not interesting. And uh, I, again, to me, the point gets lost. We, you know, as, as Arnie pointed out in, uh, in uh, Terminator, I'm a learning machine. Um, <laughs> that's, this is who we are. You can't yeah. stop growing. You can't look at the world through the same eyes all the time. How will you ever see it differently? Uh, yeah. You have to be able to question. And for you, uh, and not to disagree with uh, with your therapist, but for some for some people, and you know, for me as well, in order to let something go, I need to process it. In order yeah. for me to process it, I have to question and continue kind of uh, digging uh, deep until digesting, filtering, yeah. seeing from different angles. Yeah, and then it reveals itself, and I'm able to understand it, and then I'll let it go. I can't just say, okay, I'm letting this go. It, it, it's, it's akin to, uh, to stuffing it uh, down. Just because mm -hmm. we're saying we're letting it go doesn't mean it goes away. Yeah. Well, so that's the whole thing when people say fake it. Sorry, I have dog hair all over me. Um, <laughs> when uh, people are saying fake it till you make it or, you mm. know, just pretend you're doing this. And I'm like, it's like, I can't. Like, I, I can't lie to myself. I am so aware of what I actually think mm -hmm. and feel. Yep. I just, I don't know how to literally pretend something until it happens because I don't believe it. So does that, does that make sense? I don't know how to explain it. No, it does. And uh, again, kind of uh, coming back to what you're saying, uh, and I think I have the, the terminology correctly, but, you know, to me, it seems that, you know, based on, uh, based on your age and based on what you mentioned about uh, potentially, you know, uh, being on the spectrum, you are potentially on the spectrum, but you're also a rainbow child. And mm -hmm. the rainbow child uh, has very certain, uh, has very specific things and understanding humanity and watching all of the things that are happening within uh, humanity that are not proper and yeah. <clears throat> being so sensitive. So you have that amplified through multiple uh, channels. So I can see how it was difficult to integrate and to ground and to get into this, uh, this world I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit older than you are. And for me, I kind of come at it from a, from a, a little bit of a, the beginning of, of rainbow where mm -hmm. I call bullshit on everything. And it's hard <laughs> for me to, um, to be around <clears throat> disingenuous, uh, disingenuous yeah. because I see right through it and I, I don't want to deal with it. So me in a, it makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, I want people to be kind. I want people to be nice. I want people to just work together. And when they're not, and when they're scheming, and when there's politics involved, like all of that, just no thanks. And I just, it's because I can't, I don't, that's not a part of my mecca inside, like that kind of evil thinking, but I mean, I guess that's why I'm not a, a psychopath or um, a um, sociopath is because I do feel, and like that was one of the reasons also why I thought 
I figured out, I was like, I think I'm on the spectrum is because for a long time, I questioned, I was like, am I a sociopath? Because like, sometimes people will talk, but I'll have no reaction, but inside I'm reacting. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like, oh my God, I feel so much for other people and myself. There's no fucking way that I am um, a sociopath or a psychopath. And, and then when I first started learning about autism and autism in women, I was like, whoa like I remember the first video I watched I just started to cry because for the first time in my life someone was talking about how it feels to live in this world in a way that I've never heard someone talk talk to me about like I've I've related to people on a lot of different levels and and like I'm I don't understand chit chat I'm not good at it I that's why I'm not always the best person at a, a party because I want to like get into the thing of it. I want to talk about life. Like I don't understand why we're wasting time on pleasantries or the same thing we say a million times. Um, it's also like why people think I'm rude when I just, if I haven't talked to them in a while and I text them and I just text them about what I'm reaching out to them, for some reason, people find that offensive versus me just being like, hey, how are you? And then going into it, to me, that's false and fake because that's that's really like some sort of presumption. I'd rather someone just be like, oh, this is what I'm asking. And then like the, hey, how are you can come from that. But otherwise, it feels like a lie to me. I know. I, I do this all the time with uh, with my brother. You know, he calls me. He doesn't call me very often. So when he calls me, you know, my natural uh, uh, inclination is, uh, you know, let's let's skip all of the uh, stuff. I love you. What do you need, right? Yes. I'm, I'm happy to help, but just get to the point. Yeah. Totally. I just honestly, I just want to get to the point because the sooner mm -hmm. I get to the point, we have this discussion and conversation. I can go back to watching true crime and <laughs> sitting with my dog. I get you. Well, listen, like, yeah. uh, Magda. And I so, like, I'm just saying, is like. Another, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, another thing about like the whole, you know, how um, with guys with autism, it tends to be like, you see their interests. So you see that their, their things are like cars and bugs and mm -hmm. trucks or, you know, and they talk about them a lot. But the thing with girls is it tends to be something that really blends into the world. It tends to be something more like, boy bands, makeup, twilight, like things that you don't even realize that a lot of other girls are having these same like, oh, obsessions, but yeah, so you know, it can get missed. But yeah. like, if you talk to me about certain things, especially like shows that I'm obsessed with, like Buffy and Angel and um, just, um, Oh my God, see, and my brain goes a million different ways. I I have my things and I, you know, if someone explains to me an actor, they don't even have to tell me much. I'm like, oh, you mean blah, blah, blah. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And and it's like this movie, this movie, like my archive is that. And and that's my, my obsession and, and thing that I'm like really into. I forgot what it's called. There's like a term for the things that um, autistic people like. It's like, Oh my God. Have you seen Love on the Spectrum? No, I have not. It's a dating show with autistic people, all different um, volumes of the spectrum. And like they had some sort of quote of 98% of autistic people um, end up single or, or not married. And I'm like, 
I could see why, and that makes sense. And and I I fear that I am one of those people, because as I get older, a I'm not like I was when I was a teenager, and I thought I knew the answer to everything. I now feel like the older I get, the less I know. And the positive thing about that is I'm okay with that. I don't think I used to be okay with that. And that's a really relieving thing. But I used to think that like I would watch, you know, like Charmed and uh, all these different things where there was like this epic love that someone would have. And I thought that's what I was looking for. And I've had a lot of heartache in my life and, you know, maybe not chosen the best people because they were a reflection of what's going on inside of me so they weren't treating me the best but I feel like I might be a type of person that's not meant to be in relationships like forever but I also want children and I want I want a life I want traditional stuff but I also like I'm is it pan pansexual where you're attracted to men female trans whoever like it's just i'm attracted to the soul i'm you know and like again okay i don't mean to harp on the autistic thing and you can cut out whatever you want of this no, no, no. we're not cutting anything <laughs> but the um the other thing is apparently like a lot of um autistic people people on the spectrum tend to have very um ebb and flow sexuality in terms of there's not not, not so much gay straight you know it's like very yeah, yeah whatever this is no, <laughs> I, I, I get it and again and for, for me to tell you don't worry everything is going to be okay you'll find the yeah way. and that's not what i'm looking for right it's 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 uh it's stupid uh but what i can tell you is that as you continue getting to know yourself, as you continue growing as a person, the universe naturally presents other people on your path that will reflect that. I have and, to remind myself of that, to be honest. And, and maybe you know, one of those people or some of those people are going to be the people that uh, you know, will be in your life for a long time. So um, you know, keep, uh, keep growing and uh, things, universe has a way and an order uh, that we may or may not understand or appreciate until much later. Um, I'm just so afraid. There's a part of me that feels like my best years are behind me, which is so messed up. I was talking with a friend and we were both like, I feel like it's too late for me. And we're both like, for what? And we're like, I don't know, but we just feel like it's too late. No. It doesn't make sense. It's not. Um, it's not. Do you, here's here's a you know I I know um, we're alike in in certain ways. So here's a trick that I used once I turned. Uh, I think I started doing it in my 40s. You know, I'm 45 now. So here's a mental trick that I use that works for me. Some people may think it's idiotic, but it works for me. So maybe it'll work for you. Let's try. I'm I'm always open to advice. So what I did to myself is this, because, you know, uh, you start turning uh, in, into your 40s and you start thinking, holy shit, you know, 40 is close to 50. 50 is really close. Yeah, to I do that. Okay, I'm getting... I have 20 years until retirement, so I get it. Yeah. And I'm already thinking that way. What I did is this. I basically said, okay, the reason why it's grabbing me is because I have associations. I'm going to change those associations. Mm -hmm. And instead of me thinking that, 
you know, people live to be in the 80s, 90s, you know, God, uh, God willing, uh, longer. I'm going to say that people are meant to live for 200 years. <laughs> 40? I like that. 200? No big deal. I'm really just getting started. And then you get into that point of one part of you is calling bullshit. The other part of you say, shut up. I like this idea. I'm going to go with it. And you, it's, it's the same um, chemical reaction as when you're sad and then you force yourself to smile for at least 60 seconds. Uh, <laughs> I I'll, I'll, didn't know that, but I'll try that. You didn't know. Uh, but the 60 seconds? No. Yeah, I use that um, because, again, I'm, I'm sensitive and I find myself uh, sometimes uh, down. And I literally force myself to... it's so creepy if if you did that in front of me and i didn't know what you're doing oh my god it's ridiculous and your kids would be like oh my god dad what's wrong with you i i did that with my daughter i i went to her and i'm like and i did this whole robot thing and she's like oh go away (laughs) but um when you do that the body there is a chemical reaction that happens with the body and the body remembers that when you're smiling then hormones start changing so mm-hmm. I found a same uh, effect with me kind of uh, placing the, the end of life to 200 years. And I'm thinking I'm 40. Oh, and then everything starts to kind of play different. And you're thinking I'm young. And then you realize that because I'm at a point where I know a lot about myself. I feel you know relatively good in terms of my fitness level, but I can get a lot better so I can feel a lot better but I'm much smarter than I used to be. And then you get to like, okay, I'm just starting to enter my prime. Forget what other people are saying. I'm good. And those little kind of uh, uh, But I fear that I'm getting stupider. (laughs) I fear that I'm like, I used to know so many words and now I feel like I... I lack them or I'm reaching for them. And it's like, I know them, but I can't find them. And they're there in the, the brain of Magda, but I just, there's, they're blurry. And so that freaks me out. And then yeah. I also feel like it doesn't help with, sorry, I don't mean to frighten you. Um, the dog, he's like, what are you doing? You're so loud. Um, I also feel like with COVID, I'm having a bit of, well, I think I had this even without COVID, but uh, I'm I'm having an emotional gap. Like I I fear, I was talking with a friend again about this subject that we both were told when we were younger that we were wise beyond our years. But now we feel like we've gotten to a place where everyone else is caught up with us and then they're surpassing us and we're stuck in this place. And we're like, "Why, why am I not continuing? And I don't know how to make myself continue because I want to, I constantly want to evolve, but I'm so scared that it, it ends here. And also like not to throw my dad under the bus, but my dad, like my whole life always told me like women over the age of 30 were unattractive and like that kind of stuff runs in my head. And I'm like, well, technically then I'm dead. I'm not, I don't exist on this planet. You know what I mean? Like I didn't always have the best role models to, to instill this like safety of the future for me. Um, okay. No offense to you, dad. You're gorgeous. Um, no, no need to worry about that at all. But I, how messed up is that to hear from your father? It's yeah. 
yeah it's you it's, couldn't imagine saying that to your kid you know no but i i don't want to compare myself to anybody because i i i would like to think that i'm a good dad but there are many parts of me being a dad that i know i completely fail at right so you know but this this particular part i would never mention <laughs> too much yes um the you're never growing. I mean, look at the way that you're questioning. I, I have not found anything within your vocabulary or uh, the flow of your verbiage that I thought she's searching for words. So I, I call BS on that. Um, you, I'll take it. You are always questioning. You're always growing. So the idea that you stop growing in some way is a, is a misnomer and uh love that word oh my god it, it maybe is just a focus of what are you focusing on that you think you're not growing in because you're certainly growing in everything else and uh maybe kind of realize uh, that part so you're you're good my suggestion to you and um i don't know if you if maybe you have uh, tried it but again boxing would be good for you but another thing maybe tai chi uh, have you tried Tai Chi? Oh, the one that with the ba. Yeah. Have you tried Tai Chi? No, I haven't. You may want to try it. It's, uh, I find. I don't know if in Vancouver they have too much Tai Chi. Like, it doesn't they... seem like a city that has it. Dude, you have a huge Asian population in, uh, in, uh, in Vancouver. Fair enough. Yeah. So you have Tai Chi. I guarantee it. Uh, yeah. Both but, with the both with Tai Chi and with boxing. I want to find like an old school style where it's like, you know what I mean? It's not so no, mathematical. Don't, because uh, my personal opinion, take it for what it is. With old school Tai Chi, because I went to an old school master, and for uh -oh. you and I, it's not going to work, because okay. I asked the question of why am I doing this? And the answer is, do it and stop asking questions. Because yeah, that's never great for me, and for you probably. It's, it's a sign of disrespect to ask the master that question. And I don't give a crap because yeah. I need to understand in order to properly do it. I'll do it. Yeah. I just need someone to give me a reason. I don't, and it sounds like sometimes to people I'm a bitch or I'm being difficult and it's just my brain processes like that. Like I just need to understand why, yeah. why are you saying this? Why? Are, and then I'll do it. Yeah. So it's so weird. You, uh, I'll, I'll send you a link to this, uh, to Please. this, I, it's a, it's a, you know, wonderful Tai Chi instructor. He's an American. Uh, he's, you know, world champion many times he's over. Got YouTube? Uh, he has, uh, he's on YouTube as well, but I found him on, um, uh, what is it called? Great courses, great okay. courses, uh, Tai Chi. I think I paid like 49 bucks for the whole course. It's a video course. You can view it. He goes into detail of here's why, here's the background, here's what we're doing, here's the movement. He's using multiple camera angles so you can see everything. I found fantastic. Uh, I found him fantastic in the way that he explains it. And then I started doing Tai Chi, which is what I wanted to do. So you may, you may want to check that out. It was, um, I used to do like three yoga classes a day. I, I was, yeah, it's pretty intense. I do like hot yoga and, and like power yoga. It was pretty gnarly to do one today. I would die. There's just, I just am not possibly in that realm. So I look back, I'm like, Holy crap. I, my brain and 
my insides are still stuck on, uh, I guess the naturopath said grizzly mode. So it's like frozen mode. And so I'm not quite able to quite, quite get into meditation mode. Mm -hmm. it, it's too difficult for me right now. That's why Tai it's Chi, like, because it's yeah. a moving meditation. It gets you into right. the same it gets yes. you into that same framework without you having to sit in one place and tell your mind to be quiet, which I like is that. not easy for us. That's true. I think that's fantastic, actually. Yeah. It's still slow movement, but because if I look back at even film school, mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite exercises is when we were in movement class and they would put music for different, like for staccata and you'd have to like make sharp movements. But my favorite was molasses and having to like, like, like as if you're going through molasses and the sound of it. And so, yeah, I could see that being really calming for me. I, I find it very calming for me. So I, I think you may enjoy it as well. I'll send you a link. Uh, Please, yeah. Those who want, I'll put, I'll put a link below this as well. Uh, I love links. Uh, Magda, you, you're awesome. Um, I, I really enjoy talking to you. You and I can talk for many hours. Totally. And it was a pleasure, and I, if you ever want me on again, I'm always, I'm always here. You anytime. Just let me know. We'll, uh, we'll schedule another one. And um, yeah. Also, don't give up on getting every single uh, karate person you I, loved growing up. Always reach out. Because I want to talk to them. I mean, yeah. Uh, Scott didn't. I, th I think. It, sorry. I was just going to say that Scott did an excellent job with his interviews, but I want to talk to them myself. <laughs> I think it's, it's, I can't imagine saying, people saying no, but I mean, I'm also not other people, so. Uh, yeah, there's, it's, it's a beautiful. Well, I've said yes to interviews I probably shouldn't have, and in retrospect, I'm like, I gave that person way too much faith. Yeah. And that was bad, but that's that's my the part of me that's naive and see was like always trying to see the good in people and believing what they were saying versus really being like a scrutinizing with with the show uh, it's a popularity contest right and the uh, i hear the question from publicists all the time well who have you had on and um i get it but take a look mm -hmm. at the shows take a look at the work right you know as a new show i have not had a listers on mm -hmm. but i've had a minus listers on I don't know if there's a term and you know after 80 whatever number of interviews that I have done people know what type of work I do and I know that you know many people who are a-listers or who used to be a-listers would be incredible conversations and this mm -hmm. is what I'm looking for it's not about the status it's about will this person be open to sharing their wisdom with the people who are watching and would it be an interesting conversation i guess that's what i'm shocked about anyone saying like i feel like especially with actors or people in the entertainment they're like i want i would love to talk about me so to, to think of anyone saying i don't want to talk about me for an hour i'm like really it's it's like auditions it's mostly no's i can tell you that um really i'm sorry that sucks I'm, I'm used to it. It's, it's okay. Yeah. You don't take it personally, which I would, and I would, I'd give up because I'd be like, oh, why? I, we sent out, I, I kid you not, we, we counted, uh, me and uh, Nalika, my assistant, we sent out 1,100 requests uh, for wow. to you know, all sorts of people I, that everybody knows. And 
we got so the hundred or so people were from eleven to twelve hundred uh, requests. So wow. Those percentages are Is that ten percent. Yeah, it's it's about ten percent. It's far better than what we do on auditions because on auditions, yeah much smaller percentages. So this is still a better kind of a game. And if you look at it as in influence, influencer status, like from like what I've learned, if your engagement level is 10% of your numbers, mm -hmm. then that's a positive. Yeah. Random shit that I learn. How do I pick this up? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think I just listen. I watch a lot of YouTubers and then they tell me about, they tell the audience about the stuff they tell me <laughs> as if they're specifically talking to me. It's, it's so funny. And again, um, we're, we need to wrap, I know, but you and I uh, are kind of the same way. Why not talk about acting? I don't understand why I would want to talk to somebody for five minutes. I, how can you ask them questions and, and dive into stuff for five minutes? And then people are saying, well, but your videos are long. But are you interested in acting? Are you interested yeah. in people? You know, wouldn't you want to watch this? Is, is I would rather watch an actor I like talk for a while then when I see the clips that are like three minutes long, I'm like, I didn't really get, that was the advice. Like it didn't really, you're saying just generic things that are like taglines versus yeah. what like, I'd actually like to hear you talk about. And that's what I'm trying to do here. So growing the audience uh, takes time. And, um, and I will say one more thing. So I know a lot of people are obsessed about short videos and this stuff. To me, when I'm looking on YouTube for things to watch, I'm honestly usually looking for an hour or more. Yeah. Um, like when I'm listening to ASMR or true crime or anything, or like even learning about some sort of subject or drama channel, I want to listen for an hour. I don't want to keep looking and clicking. Right. Yeah. So, so it's not for everyone, but you know, I think there are people like me out there that want um, long form. Me too. Me too. And uh, thank you for mentioning long form. It makes me think of long form improv, which I love as well. Uh, this is like long form improv. You have no idea what personality you're going to get and you have to say yes to whatever comes your way. Same thing with me. Sorry, lights pissing me off. No, you're good. So uh, thank you for jumping on. Listen, you're, you're a part of the Love of Acting family. You're always welcome. And um, outside of, of uh, taping, um, I am always here if uh, if you need somebody to bounce uh, things uh, from. We can um, also exchange um, yeah. uh, Facebook when um, or one of those things off yeah, camera. When we stop recording, we, we don't. Yeah, know. I also just want to say I love the name, The Love of Acting, because that got me right away. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even know what it was about, but I was like, perfect name, I'm into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, and again, there are the soul told me to shorten the name it has to be you know it has to be I'm like dude i'm doing this because i love acting it's yeah. about the love of acting yeah like I, I can't i can't shorten that you know yeah even if you said love love of acting or love acting like it just doesn't doesn't work right uh it's, yeah i i have to i have to do me right and this yeah. is so whoever is going to view it is going to understand that that's how it works yeah i mean i have a couple other things i can tell you after we start recording because i know it's probably long no worries uh we'll we'll probably split this up into uh, into a couple of uh, pieces of uh, part one part two um because i was going to say with volition um the indie ooh. movie i did <laughs> I remember because someone told me this. Mm -hmm. 
for marketing reasons, you should name your movie closer to the ABC because when it gets onto like on direct, it's one of the first things that come up. And I was like, Oh, from a strategic uh, side, I, I totally understand why they said that. And so with the director, I was like, have you ever thought of maybe calling it something else? Cause volition is V like at the very end. Yeah. And he kind of took it into consideration, but I don't, now that I look back, I'm like, I don't think he really did because he was doing him and it meant a lot to him. And I'm so glad that he did because the movie is supposed to be called Volition and it works for that. And, you know, some people don't know what that word is and Volition is by choice, by your own decision. Um, like it's actually very shocking how many people didn't, which I also like that that's educational. You know what I mean? Where they're like, what does that mean? Yeah. See, you're growing uh, You're you're always growing. And uh, by the way, Utopia didn't have this problem, right? So uh, it's there are plenty of the TV show. Yeah, uh, I want to see that. Yeah, I saw a trailer just the other day. Yeah, it's one of the most popular shows, and there's it. ABC. Yeah, on Netflix, it's one of the top uh, ones. Uh, I just binged Emily in Paris, which I loved. I was so. What was that? I've heard that name. Emily in Paris is uh, is a, uh, a Netflix series that just came out in October. Um, Lily Collins is in there and she's, she's, yeah. um, so it's just Phil a, Collins daughter, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's a really sweet, smart, uh, and interesting, uh, kind of escape to Paris, uh, with all sorts mm. of, uh, trimmings. It, it, it was very lovely. That's so opposite of what I just watched last night that literally left me petrified to go to the bathroom. Mm. I was Googling documentaries because I wanted to watch a documentary and I saw like fourth on the list. It was called hell house. And I was like, this is a documentary. And then it said something about like the opening night of a, of a haunted house, yeah. 15 people were killed. And the, the reasons were like, um, covered up and all this stuff and I started watching like in the beginning it's just like based on real events and I watched like it said like uploaded to YouTube the original video uh after about five minutes I was like oh okay this isn't real there's no way this is fucking real but it was so good it got me I was like at first I was like horrified and, and I couldn't breathe. I'm like, I can't believe this actually happened. And then I started realizing, oh no, this is one of those found footage documentaries. Like they're, they're, they're mockumentaries like Blair Witch Project. Thank God. Yeah. That, that's, that's not my cup of tea. I, yeah. It was I, terrifying. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, there was clowns in it and I'm not usually terrified of clowns, but they did a really good job with freaking me out with that just like the camera turning around and then slightly head turned and then them thinking it's one of their friends messing with them and then they see that their friend is just hanging out over there and then they go back to find like where what the fuck was that and and then that thing is gone and i was like oh my god i can't do this yeah yeah, yeah, certainly not not at night. I, I would not want to do that at night. It was bad news. I was all I was hoping is like, please, Jackson, don't wake up. I need to go pee. Like I was like, I don't want my dog have to go to the bathroom because I'm don't want to get up. Yep. I yeah. Anyway, uh, let's let's say goodbye to everybody. Everybody, thank you for uh, for joining. Uh, you know, Magda and I. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, we know you love acting as much as we do. So this is why we continue doing this for you. Thank you. That's a wrap.
That's a wrap.